everybody. Welcome into Late to the Party with Travis Tay. I am Jake, and across from me, uh, I, I don't know, I'm trying to think if I'm pointed the right way, so you're technically across from me, but in Twilla, I don't think I am. I think I'm pointed toward, uh, I think I'm ported, pointed toward North Salt Lake. So I'm pointed south, so I guess that's across. That's close enough. So we're going to intersect. Yeah, we're both pointing All opposite right. directions. All right. How you doing this week, buddy? I'm doing good. Just trying to get through this summer. The heat yeah. is the heat's getting to me. Oh my god! Yeah, uh, weekends it has been uh, taking care of the yard. It, like I open the door, it's that heat that uh, it just feels like an oven. Oh, outside. this th- this is the time of year where my yard looks terrible, and I don't care. <laughs> uh, we've been we've been lucky this year. The yard has been uh, pretty nice. Uh, the weeds are a threat constantly. Um, I, I've told you before, I live in a neighborhood with mostly elderly people, mm-hmm. so uh, they all they all are meticulous about their lawns. I remember um, once driving to record at your house, and I saw a man in his front yard down on his knees with a pair of scissors trimming his grass. So Yeah, it's probably the dude. I've seen that guy <laughs> down uh, scissoring, <laughs> scissoring his lawn. He was scissoring so on the lawn. Not not the not what you think, but he's he scissors his lawn. Uh, but I've also seen him out with a scrub brush scrubbing the asphalt in front of his house. Wow, he's like the guy uh, on I the burbs. Know. Remember Mr. Wilson yeah. on the burbs? The guy, the guy, that guy, or the uh, the neighbor from Friday? Oh have yeah, you seen, have you seen Friday? You've seen Friday? Uh, not for a long, long time. I actually tried to watch it. I was looking to see if it was available anywhere, but I would have had to buy it. Yeah, Friday. We I think we've even talked about it. Friday is like easily top five of like favorite movies for me. And uh, yeah, just every time I watch it, it's right. like I pick up new stuff. I was trying and that to th- that character in particular, very fun, very fun. I was trying to think of my own personal uh, Mount Rushmore of comedies the other day, just in my head. I yeah. think I came up with um, for sure. There's Dumb and Dumber, and then Caddyshack and Young Frankenstein. But I was having a trouble narrowing it down to number four. Boy, I, I definitely Friday would definitely be on there. Probably, definitely a fish called Wanda. Yeah, that's funny um, too. Uh, I want to say like it, it would be hard to pick. I feel like uh, maybe maybe Uncle Buck. Like Uncle Buck makes me laugh really hard. Mm. It's hard. There's a jo- there's a John Candy kind of trilogy for me of the Great Outdoors, Uncle Buck, and planes trains and automobiles and it's very difficult to pick <laughs> my favorite child out of those three because yeah, they're all, all good all three of those movies i will sit down oh probably happy gilmore is probably on yeah see on i thought about that. that one too i was just racking my brain like which one would be i mean those are definitely my top three uh dumb and dumber caddyshack and uh young frankenstein i think those i can watch any time of year whenever i'm feeling bummed out and and feel pretty good you know but yeah, that fourth one, it's 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 hard to choose that last one. How how do you choose a favorite comedy for you personally? For I me, think it's usually performance based. Like jokes will age and like jokes will I know what's coming. It's usually performances of you know, I know I know Adam Sandler is gonna say suck my white ass ball, but every time <laughs> the way he says it, I cannot I cannot stop laughing at suck my white ass ball. 
See, to me, it's if it's rewatchable over and over and over again, that means yeah. that means it's a really good comedy for me. Because I've watched movies where I thought, "Oh, that was pretty funny," and then I watch it again a few later, a few years later, and it doesn't doesn't hit the same, you know. So if it's if it's rewatchable over and over again, then I, that that's kind of what triggers you know something special in me. So. I mean that's why I like Star Wars because I I used to watch it over and over again as a kid on VHS. Yeah, and it's it's like uh, with Friday, anytime John Witherspoon is on screen, I'm just you know like anytime he's sitting, you know, uh, ice cube down to try to give him life advice, I'm just dying. You know, <laughs> like you know him on him on the toilet. Oh yeah, him trying about. to find a toilet. <laughs> Him trying to find a toilet. Uh, I mean, like, that's funny here, but in L.A., you know how many comics I know that have stories about messing their pants in their car because they're stuck in traffic and they can't find anywhere to go to the bathroom, and it's just... Are you talking about, are you talking about Chris Tucker's Smokey trying... He ends up going in the bushes? Yeah, I mean, it's just the whole search for a toilet. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, but that that really is the the comedy thing of like, like John, John Candy was just a brilliant comic actor. I I was, I was talking with uh, some friends online this week about Phil Hartman and just uh, what got us going was making a reference to the uh, unfrozen caveman lawyer sketch (laughs) we do on SNL. I'm just just a humble caveman. (laughs) And I was talking about how that, that skit, because there were two or three of those. There, There were a few of those, right? That one wasn't yeah. just a one-off skit. Yeah, they did several of them. And it was like, there was no real, there was no real, like, there was only a joke, which was he was going to win the jury over by relating to how, it, it was just that one, I'm just a simple caveman. Like, <laughs> that that skit, there was a joke, and it relied solely on Phil Hartman's performance. And Phil Hartman was so good at just the delivery of the line. I'm just a, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. I'm just a simple caveman. Unfrozen just, caveman. Just on the lawyer. floor, rolling around, dying, laughing. <laughs> just watching Phil Hartman be Phil Hartman. And just that was that was Phil Hartman's career. Of he had a he had a cadence. And Phil Hartman is the kind of guy that I wonder what must it have been like being someone in his life. Was there a version of Phil Hartman that just he could turn himself off and he was a maybe quote unquote normal person, or was Phil Hartman always was it always kind of hard to just talk with Phil Hartman because he was always Phil Hartman? Yeah, I've heard like Joe Rogan talk about Phil Hartman and how he was just like the sweetest guy ever and he was just nice to everybody. So like yeah. the, the arrogance that he would put into um, you know, his characters, that's you know, that's not how he was in real life. He was just a quiet, you know, nice guy. But he just and I think that's why it was kind of maybe fun for him to play these arrogant, uh, you know, bombastic people uh, just because it was bringing something out in him that, that normally he didn't he didn't let out there in real life. I think a lot of it's just timing like men. And similarly, John Candy just had a he just had a perfect sense of timing and like cadence and, you know, playing these characters. I have I, and just bringing up uh, planes, trains and automobiles. I wish I'd watched the whole thing. Someone uh, on Twitter posted a a full video like someone then some tv station made a whole segment just based on john candy going in to get the perm he had <laughs> for his hair in planes trains and automobiles and i wish i'd watched more of it 
but uh, of him getting a perm because you know he's got really curly <laughs> right. ringlet hair in right place. it was just him going into i i and i want to say it might have been his body double was with him just <laughs> i was in the middle of doing something just happened to see that and then in, in my mind like oh i need to watch this later dueling perms yeah their hair goes it's dueling banjos Oh, I know what it is. I just—I was just—I was just thinking about the the kind of weirdness of, of uh, you know, it, it's almost like a, a, uh, a trying to think of the right way, like a crystallized moment in time of, we made a song that was just two banjos fighting each other, but then also kind of what, what dueling banjos more came to signify, with uh, <laughs> something like Deliverance. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely with Deliverance. <laughs> that is what kind of made it famous. That's not what we're talking about, Travis. Travis, this so this week this was the uh, the week of things coming out, I guess. Kind of, well, it was more two things that was able to occupy my time between. Uh, I've watched a ton. I'm pretty close to closing out uh, the new season of Umbrella Academy. Already, and wow! Then, you're burning through it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very watchable. It's very watchable. I. I sent you a, kind of a, a message earlier in the week of you know my early impressions. I think it it plays through a lot of what I've watched in that it feels less stylized and less kind of weird. And uh, there are the Swedes, though. I was thinking about that after you sent it. The Swedes. I mean, I'm only two episodes in, but the Swedes are definitely pretty stylized <laughs> and weird. Well, I'll tell you. Uh, I'll tell you this. Um, I genuinely really really miss hazel and cha-cha yeah and what they represented and the swedes do not the swedes aren't utilized in the same way that hazel and cha-cha were yeah they're just kind Uh, of they're kind of more they're almost like do you remember the original uh uh, Charlie's Angels reboot with Cameron Diaz and Lucy Liu. Are you talking and about Drew, the Crispin Drew Glovers? Yeah, he, he was like the quiet man or something. Mr. <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember what his name was. But he was just kind of quiet and menacing. He's They're kind of like that a little bit, maybe a little more playful. But We've established that uh, I love Crispin Glover. And that, that movie where uh, it's at the racetrack. Because mm-hmm. they've already had their, their initial fight. And... Uh, I don't know whose decision it was, but the decision to make Crispin Glover kind of a, a I mean, obviously the character in and of itself is going to be unsettling of this quiet Crispin Glover shaped uh, assassin, but him also being a creep on the level of, uh, I can't remember which one. I want to say it might've been Drew Barrymore that he cut the hair off of Yeah. in their first fight. And then it's at the racetrack and they look over and see him in a race suit and they're like, Oh, it's that guy again. But then he holds up. He still got the lock of hair to sniff. <laughs> yeah, that, very, that was a nice touch for him to be creepy. I know we talked about when I when I watched uh, the the newest Charlie's Angels movie, and I kind of discussed it a little. But I I, I remember I didn't want to spoil the ending. But uh, I'm going to spoil it right now. Patrick Stewart's the bad guy. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, Is they made he, Patrick uh, Stewart the Bosley? bad guy. He's the original Bosley, and they kind of he can see that they're going to force him out because, you know, he's in his eighties. So he starts to, you know, put some, some, uh, business associates on the side so he can run his own thing to take down, uh, the agency that he helped build. Yeah. So he becomes the bad guy. I, 
I just remember not wanting to spoil that before. So I'm sure they get a nice young, not particularly well-known actor Bosley to be the new Bosley. Oh no, it's uh oh I can't remember what her name is right now. Uh, she directed it. Uh, blonde. Oh okay. Blonde gal. Uh, not sure who you're talking about, but I I, I think I, I kind of get what they. Uh, what is her right? name? Gosh dang it! You got okay. We got to figure this out. Uh, she was in the Spider-Man movies. Uh, she Here's had dunced? no 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 no. She had dark hair. Uh, she's also she was in the uh, the Hunger Games movies. She had no eyebrows and weird hair and weird clothes and that. Uh, gosh dang it! What's her name? I'm gonna get there. Um, oh, Elizabeth Banks. Elizabeth Banks. Thank you. I always Elizabeth Banks, and she's not. Ooh, I always think very, Elizabeth very Perkins. <laughs> oh, really updated for their you know for a modern thing. She's not Bosley. She's Boz. Well, she's a Bosley. So Bosley is a title in that movie, and she's Travis, a Bosley. I'm afraid, I'm afraid I will not recognize it because her cast name is Boz. Brian Bosworth. Anyway, yes, Brian we're talking Bosworth back for a modern era. Right, we're talking about the Umbrella Academy. So I, I want to try not to spoil anything for you. So kind of what what's happening with how far you are in Umbrella Academy, without uh, even being particularly spoilery for our vast Australian audience, because. Uh, you know, it's still a new a new quantity. <laughs> right. Can uh the last thing I saw is Diego getting stabbed by uh Hargreaves. Their father. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh so they did a they did a whole Pogo uh origins thing. That that's maybe something that that's bummed me out a little bit is is uh it, the the season can get a little fan servicey. Like I when I initially saw trailers showing some stuff with like young Pogo, I was like, Oh, are they going to, are they going to find a way to sort of reinsert Pogo? Cause they're the, uh, this season is definitely a, uh, a Vanya redemption arc. Yeah. So far uh, only two episodes in for me, uh, Luther just barely figured out where she's at and goes to confront her. And it kind of seemed like he was going to take her out, but then he sees her and, uh, realizes she doesn't have any memory of what happened and then he starts apologizing to her which was kind of weird like why have the gun if your intent was to go apologize to her yeah the first season i will also say this the first season was so long ago and so much has happened since then um i i had my own sort of amnesiac moments of oh yeah that's what happened oh yeah that's what happened oh yeah that's what happened (laughs) uh yeah, like the, I mean, they like, have little flashbacks in there. Because the the Gerard Way, the that first um, that first arc, uh, they they hit a lot of the story beats of what Gerard Way did, but uh, specifically, they the show really goes deeper into the Umbrella Academy. Actually, really did Vanya dirty the whole putting her in a in a uh, like deprivation chamber, right? And not. There, not a lot of communication. Not a lot of like, hey Vanya, we need to, we need to kind of isolate you while while we figure this out. Just like Anya, we're gonna put you in here and make you feel like maybe we're gonna leave you here forever, which is bad. Yeah, it's very bad. So it, I mean, they they kind of flash that back a little. Uh, that that kid that plays number five, that kid is so good. 
Yeah, that guy is that guy really is the all star of the series. I don't know how very old he is, at, but he's very good at portraying that he is an elderly person trapped in the body. Of a oh child. yeah, he's he's so grumpy and just curmudgeonly. <laughs> yeah, very grumpy. Doesn't trust anybody. Very much right to the point. Cynical. Sick of everybody. I, I think that is. I feel like that's a uh, a character choice of someone who who had to spend 45 years in isolation in the apocalypse of he just has no time for anyone's he has no time for anything other than accomplishing the objective although later on I, you know not disclose later on something happens that maybe starts showing a little bit of of maybe he wants to be done with just maybe he wants to be something other than a time traveling assassin Hmm. and whatever whatever the hell he is to his family it also shows how much confidence he has in his abilities like he knows yeah. he knows that he's like a legend in in the the organization or the company or whatever they call it and he knows how much uh more capable he is than his siblings not to say that their powers aren't more powerful than his but he's got it together he knows you know how to use his powers he knows when to use his powers everybody else is well, just kind of like flailing around hoping for the best it feels like um if i were if i were to hazard a guess travis it feels like uh he is far more capable and far more confident in himself as a byproduct of kind of not actually being raised by hargreaves <laughs> could be yeah uh, he wasn't he wasn't broken down as much as the other ones were yeah, like all of them, all of them, each one of those characters is probably the biggest thing holding any of them back is how broken they are because of the way they were raised. You know, obviously, uh, number one, Luther, Luther, it's all of them like a weird approval seeking thing of like Luther uh, wanted to seek Hargreaves' approval and everything. Diego wanted that approval, but he wanted that approval by being doing something without he wanted Hargreaves to be proud of him for something Hargreaves didn't make him do. Whereas Luther wanted Hargreaves to be proud of him for doing everything he wanted him to do. Right. And, you know, and Vanya's broken because her whole existence was based on a lie. Yeah. And she thought she didn't have any powers. Disapproving of him. He, he told um, her her whole life. She didn't have powers. Turns out she was the most powerful of all of them. So, I mean, what did he think was going to happen when one day her powers couldn't be suppressed anymore and there was just a huge explosion. I mean, yeah, he, he should have been teaching her the whole time how to, how to use the powers responsibly. Yeah. That's your parenting but, uh, tips. Everybody, if your kid has powers, be honest with them, help them out. But I will, I will say like, uh, it's so, I, I really am enjoying watching it. Uh, I feel like, uh, not just number five, but everybody is much more comfortable in their roles and much more competent in their roles this season. The thing that I am missing the most is the style. It feels like a much more straightforward story, and uh, not a lot of like when you think back to the, you know, the the famous dance sequence, mm-hmm. uh, or like five fighting in the diner, or just just Cha Cha and uh, and Hazel in general. There's just not a lot of those kind of things. Or at the times that they do it, it feels more like they're trying to to harness season one energy than they are trying to do their own thing. Maybe it's because they're out of their world and they're in the past. I, I, 
I don't know. Or maybe they just decided to write it differently so it didn't look like season one. Or maybe they thought, I, let's make this more mainstream and simplify it. I don't, I don't know why they I'd did like it. To see, I'd like to read Dallas just so I can tell if they're riffing on that story. Because, you know, the choice to have the apocalypse happen at the end of the first arc rather than it being stopped, um, it was you know, they were going to have to change up a lot of things. And okay, Travis, you, this is something you need to help me with in my memory, in my memory, season one ended that they jumped forward and they were stuck in the apocalypse. They were stuck in post apocalypse. That was the memory I had. Is that what happened at the end of season one? I don't think it showed where they were. Did it? I think they just disappeared. I thought I I remember distinctly. I thought I remember, uh, they jumped forward and it just showed them in the rubble. They always had flash forwards throughout the whole season of them in the rubble. I feel like I need to. I, I feel like I need to go back and see the end of season one because I could have sworn to God they jumped and it showed them kind of in the rubble of like, well, we're stuck in the apocalypse now. We need to figure out how to go back and fix it. And then the season opener happens like well, they're in the sixties and they're like that. When when did that happen? I mean, it's a good explanation of why they're in the 60s. They were just kind of dropped off one at a time. It's kind of funny because we started watching. My wife just hit play. And for some reason, it started in the middle of an episode. It was probably like episode uh, seven, season one. And I thought it was a recap at first. I thought it was just kind of recapping some things that happened in the season. And it was actually just an an old episode. And I'm like, how long is this recap going to go? I'm like, okay, the handler's there. All right, uh, there's Diego. Okay, there's Vanya and that the the creepy bad guy. And then I, I realized, I was like, maybe this is an old episode. So we checked, and I was like, yep, this is an old episode. We just wasted 20 minutes. But <laughs> I don't think it's... I'm pretty sure it hasn't happened. No, it hasn't happened yet. There is a scene in it, There is, and this is a small thing, there is a, um, a hole-in-a-wall moment that is maybe some of the worst special effects that I've ever seen. Hmm. It's just, I think this is, this is a pattern that Netflix seems to do. And I'm, I kind of get it, but at the same time, I Netflix gets a hit. And for whatever reason, they get a hit, they commit to a second season. And then you can tell they grossly dial back the, they grossly dial back the budget as far usually as far as special effects go like stranger things tell. season yeah, you two can tell like we dumped a money we dumped a bunch of money into this thing that we knew we kind of knew was going to take off and then once it took off we we went to him and said okay you guys are gonna have to figure out how to make this razzle dazzle with way less money i wonder Next. i wonder how much uh netflix is like a regular um network i th- i wonder if they just give the go ahead on these things. They're like, yeah, umbrella Academy. Okay, cool. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, sure. We'll put it on. And then it's a hit. And then they're like, Hmm, we need to get our hands in there and we need to do this and we need to do that. And can you make them like this? I wonder if they're, you know, pilfering through the scripts and making changes and things like that. I don't know. There's a weird ebb and flow to Netflix. And I think, uh, like Stranger Things definitely got, I think Stranger Things was a kind of a catalyst for this, but Umbrella Academy got caught up in a little bit. There was there was like a year or so where Netflix was just dumping money into having just overwhelmingly, because Netflix has had such a weird evolution of we're the disc company, we're the streaming company, 
we're the they were kind of on the forefront of we're a streaming platform that's going to start making its own content and then there was that moment where okay like orange is the new black is a hit uh stranger things is a huge hit we're going to dump a ton of money into we need to i think they said at some point we're going to we're going to kind of try to die, uh, kind of sunset having other like, like, uh, like TV shows from other places or movies from other places. And Netflix is just going to like become its own channel. And I think that's, that's how you get a lot of these season twos that are dialed back is they went a little too crazy buying up everything they could find to try and just, you know, make it so Netflix is a channel rather than a place right. to go for, they're, various seasons of things from other places. They're trying to appeal to everyone. So they're like spreading themselves super thin. So you get a lot of stuff that's just not very good quality at all. But then you get some stuff Whereas, that's outstanding. But I mean... Whereas I think HBO has been doing it for so long. HBO understands. People are going to come here... Like people are going to come to HBO Max for things like Friends or this DC content. So we're going to have more of a laser focus on HBO is HBO is probably the pinnacle of as a as we make prestige TV we we they're very careful and they pick a lot of winners. Hmm. Uh, I I think if you I I, I want to say if you look at prestige TV in general HBO kind of has been the best at at that. So, but, but what do I know? I'm just a simple caveman, Travis. <laughs> Let's get into what you know, kind of like the characters you know where they're at this year in the umbrella academy i think the most interesting thing going on is probably klaus and you find out that he's a, a cult leader <laughs> and he has it's he has a, a giant klaus mansion thing. apparently yeah. i wonder i mean you're further on than i am i kind of wonder how that's gonna uh, change things in the future going forward where he's this this big cult leader i i love that you know when that guy finds him in the jail and asked for some sort of advice he starts quoting tlc don't go chasing waterfalls stick yeah. to the rivers and the lakes that you're used to <laughs> and the guy that, thinks it's the most profound thing he's ever heard that is a funny that was a funny thing of and it makes sense of you could you could become a complete guru probably based on profound lyrics from top 40 100 percent, yeah <laughs> so i i find that pretty like, amusing like guru, tell me, tell me. Like, well, with the with the lights out, it's less dangerous. Here, 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 we all are now. <laughs> Entertain us. <laughs> I, I, yeah, just doing stuff like that. It, it's fun, and it and it works for that for that character. So I think that's um, interesting. I think uh, what they're doing with um, oh, what's the sister's name? You're doing the same thing. Rumor. Yeah, I know her name is Rumor, but I was. But I think what they're doing with her is interesting. Uh, that whole side story of, you know, civil rights and stuff. And this was all, you know, written and filmed way before. Allison. Allison, thank you. Yeah, I, I should have remembered that because of uh, Luther yelling, Allison! And then the homeless guy standing next to him <laughs> yeah. going, Allison! <laughs> that was one of the funnier things. But that whole story is, is pretty interesting. Um, yeah, of it, course, that five's was a always real good. One that was a real 180 on where what they were doing with that uh, with with her and Luther of like, well, we fixed that by her getting married. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
I think the stuff with Diego was funny, him being in the uh, mental institution. It, it actually seems like maybe he's gotten a little bit out of the therapy of being in there. I know he was kind of conning the, the doctors, but it, it almost seems like he's a more growth. He's, his character has more growth. He's a little more developed. I think the relationship he has with, I can't remember her name, but Five Calls or Crazy Lady. I, I really like that character a lot. And I, I think she kind of brings something out in Diego that's less uh, standoffish. And it's a little more, it's just a little softer side of him, which is nice to see. Luther is still like boring and stubborn. And Vanya is just like, I, I hope they do something with her before the season's over. Because so far it's just kind of like, all right, she's oh, living with this family. Places. She's kind of getting sparks with the mother the, of the of the little kid. I was actually shocked in the first season when she wasn't gay. Ellen Page. Yeah. When she ended up with that guy, I was like, wait, I thought she was gay this whole time. So it, it's not super shocking that, you know, they're kind of having sparks between the two of them because she's kind of yeah, a, but... a, a stuck in the wrong place kind of mother. And then, you know, this person just comes into her life and they have a connection. They both care about uh, the young, the young son. And so, you know, that's kind of interesting, all, but the rest of it, it, it all gels in a way, but some, some of it feels a little bit like uh, some of the character arcs for the for the characters feels more like they were trying to connect more with the actors, maybe than the. Yeah, that does. Know, uh, it does came, kind of seem like maybe that was a choice that Ellen Page wanted. Like, all right, we're going to we're going to go this way with it, which, which is fine. It doesn't feel unnatural. Ellen Page, like behind behind that, that that kid that plays five uh ellen page is really stand out that she's very just she very she embodies that role very well i just felt like the way that it at least the first season was written it's like why bring in you know a proven actor if you're just gonna have them just be sad all the time <laughs> you could you could hire anybody for ten dollars an hour to be sad why bring in that person Luther? no i'm talking about uh vanya Oh, Vanya. Oh, I'm, well, I, but I was just going to say also, like, I think that I think all the stuff like uh, her whole her whole character is someone who doesn't really know who she, who they are. Her whole character arc is. Uh, I was I was manipulated my whole life to she, she was manipulated her whole life, basically, to never really know who she is. So the idea mm-hmm. that that she she keeps go, as she goes along, keeps like maybe season one was more about, well, number one, season one about the relationship she had was about manipulation and it it wasn't a real thing either. Yeah. So, I you do, know, this season, see this season she's exploring and maybe finding a more genuine version of who she is. Right. Which, you know, again, it might, it might be something more going like, well, this is something that Alan Page feels more genuine in, but it also, it also trucks with the character. I do want to see some sort of explanation about uh, how Allison, who had her throat slit and then went back in time to the 60s, how she was able to get her voice back and, you know, not really have like a giant scar with 1960s uh, doctors as an African-American woman who probably isn't going to get the best healthcare possible. Uh, I feel like this is not, I feel like this isn't a spoiler, Travis, you don't get to see how you don't get to see really how that happens. I guess she it was just, just magic. And, she just heals. And that's, 
That's what you get. Maybe she rumored herself. Maybe she goes, I heard a rumor that you didn't get your throat slit. And then it just kind of fixes itself. Boy, that whole, it, as far as I am in that, they, they've, they're, they're trying to explore, they're trying to explore where she is. And I, I don't know that they've really gotten, they've really nailed that. A lot of the characters are more solidifying. I will say for Diego, we, I talked to you a little bit about this offline. The hair and mustache combo is very distracting. He, you're not he wrong doesn't there. Doesn't look right. Yeah, speaking of unfrozen caveman lawyer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, I I I hate to say it, and I feel like there's there's this is a shitty thing for me to say, but I get like real Geico caveman energy yeah. from that look. Yeah, the beard is not great. They should have just let him grow his hair out and let him grow as much of a beard as he could. It didn't have to be a certain length. It's not like they're like, it's got to be seven inches long. They should have just done what they could with it. And it would have looked a lot more natural and it would have moved net. Cause it, when they show like a close up of him and he's talking, the beard just doesn't move. Right. It kind of moves like a Santa Claus at a, at a mall. <laughs> <laughs> well, and they, they had that with, um, uh, which one am I thinking of? I, the names go in and out for me. Uh, they, they had that with Klaus, like early on Klaus had the, you know, the religious beard and they, mm-hmm. they went back on that pretty quickly. Yeah. And Luther had a weird beard in, when he was in space, if you remember, it didn't quite look right yes. either. So, uh, the beards aren't the, aren't the best part of the show, but no, not, it, not, it's a, still beard, a, fun not show. a beard show. <laughs> no, it's not a, it's not a show for beards. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I am enjoying it. I, I think that it's doing a pretty good job, like setting up a story. Just like I said, the, uh, season one had some really great action and just kind of stylized set pieces that I feel aren't really present in this season. I wish it could get back. Like that was one of the things that I really endeared me to the show, but, uh, what are you going to do? Right. Yeah is what it is i'm sure that they're shooting for a season three i haven't hit the i haven't hit the end of it yet but i i can't imagine that they're not going to set up a third season i haven't looked does it have a different showrunner is it is it the same people that came back because i mean if if whoever was running the first season had a more stylized kind of vision of things that would explain why why it's not there anymore so uh they've got i don't know i'd have to look a little deeper on that stuff because there's like all of the all of the episodes, uh, you know, they're different. You know, they're like seven or eight different directors for various episodes. You've got all kinds of crazy. Jared Way, Jared Way, they they give writing credit for the characters for for all the episodes. But like uh, lots and lots of, uh, yeah, they have lots and lots of uh, writer writing credits. But also, you know, they've got Gabriel Ba. Mm-hmm. who is the artist for it so they're giving them writing credit technically for just you know what they had they had done with the uh previous you know works but yeah so it, it's hard to tell who's doing what on this i'd have to look into other articles to figure out who was show running i'm waiting for a street sign in the show to say gerard way <laughs> there's got to be like a little easter egg of something like that got series production uh, but yeah, Steve Blackman, the the guy that they show for uh, at the start that says that like series written or series created by or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he was one that did the first season. I'm trying to. 
Yeah, I don't know if I mean, he did the got first him on season. Some really either. good stuff. They've got him on some stuff like Legion and and Fargo. So they've kind of gone. O- that, they've kind of gone away from like the uh, little umbrella popping open in the opening sequence too. They still get those. No, they still get those in. I didn't notice it in the second episode at all. I saw one in the first, but I didn't notice it in the second at all. They've definitely been doing that. Oh, okay. I don't know because I, I, I think I had the similar. I, I had a similar thing where I hadn't noticed it, and then for whatever reason, it became very much apparent through other seasons. Yeah, I think this Steve Blackman guy. I think he's a new producer for this season. Hmm. I'm gr- I'm glad they brought back the handler. I really enjoyed Kate Walsh in that in that role. Yeah, she. I like her a lot. She has a lot of she has a lot of stuff that. Yeah, I can tell that there's going to be some sort of redemption story for her getting getting her position back but i also i i remember the uh the goldfish cj guy uh from the comics so it was kind of cool to see the the, oh, okay. the goldfish smoking <laughs> yeah yeah just chomping those yeah man i i, I kind of wish i had read dallas because i i like we're getting on to things i've seen little bits of art from <laughs> dallas that I, I think maybe line up with some of what's happening but i just i I know that, um, like, you get into stuff with, like, Fat Luther in the comics, right? Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, that's 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 not something that they're exploring. But I think that that's based on different things. That's based on, you know, they, they time-traveled in an emergency based on the apocalypse, which, you know, in the comics just didn't happen. So I'd be interested to see where they're diverging and where they're not. You were saying you, were saying you wish you had, had watched the show before you had had read this stuff right well no i was saying i never got around to reading the third book but now you were saying you'd rather watch it than read it yeah i don't want to read it just in case there's a spoiler that spoils what happens at the end of the season so at this point i'm just going to watch the season and then i'll read the third book because i I should have done it a while ago but then i got to the point like uh what if it spoils something so i just didn't read it i tend to be the opposite way where i want to read what the original what the what the original creators kind of what the story they wrote and then watch the show or movie based on seeing like, Oh, what changes did they decide to make? See, I like to reverse engineer it. <laughs> that's why, that's why game of Thrones getting so far out of, uh, out ahead of, of Ger Martin is like, I, Oh, that drives me. It drives me nuts. that TV, like TV showrunners kind of maybe steered where that story went right. rather than the, would rather than the writer, you know, the original writer's intent, which who knows if you know, we may never end up seeing the end of that, that story. So yeah, know, I mean, who knows he, what, what Ger Martin was, he's not, would really have done. He's not exactly a, a slim good body. If you know what I mean? Uh. <laughs> he's, he still gets up and around. He's still, he still works just on anything that isn't his right. books. <laughs> you know what I thought when I when I saw the uh, CJ the the goldfish guy, yeah. I was like, ah, this is hipster Krang. <laughs> it is. There you go. <laughs> I was um, I was kind of surprised. There was a moment where it might have been Luther. Someone someone's talking like two of the characters when they reunite are talking about. I think he says something like, "There's no more Umbrella Academy. There's no more," and he starts naming off things. I'm like. Please, please make a reference because the show has never acknowledged it. Like, just say something about fighting the Eiffel Tower. Please, just say no oh, more fighting the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, I, I really wanted that in this season. That's kind of how I thought maybe they'd go back in time as kids and fight the Eiffel Tower. I thought that would have been cool, but 
maybe, and, and, maybe and, in the future. And again, that just goes back to what I was saying about the kind of the thing I miss is there's they they kind of bumped up against that sort of weirdness in the first season. Like it felt like the first season was something like fighting the Eiffel Tower is something maybe we would do, but we're we don't want to make the show quite that weird. Right. Like they they tried to they, they, like I think Pogo Pogo and and uh, Mama the that was another thing I forgot there was a robot mom yeah there's a robot mom and she so sewed maybe, her hand yeah I forgot that there was a robot mom like obviously I didn't forget about Pogo but those were the things that were like well we're gonna do this crazy stuff but we're gonna try and make it feel a little more realistic than maybe the <laughs> comics was playing playing fast and loose with like just this is a the comics are very much of a this is a very weird universe and you just kind of have to accept how weird it is. This is and, right. and it's the same thing with Luther. You know, it, you know, comics Luther is we put a head on top of a a sort of robot monkey body whereas uh, TV Luther is I injected you full of monkey and you made you became half gorilla <laughs> sort of. Yeah, it's a little bit I guess normalized explanation. I don't know. The monkey body There's is pretty Luther? funny though. Does Luther look more normal to you this season? Yeah, I, I've noticed in a few scenes, you can tell they filmed it without all of the bulk. It was just him standing at a weird angle. So you couldn't really tell, but I could tell that he didn't have like the shoulder padding and all that kind of stuff. I don't they know did, they did make him a little slimmer, to, though. I don't know if it's just that I got more used to it, but it was just, it, it felt like, like Luther doesn't, Luther looks less weird this season. Maybe, I mean, it's the 60s. Maybe he got one of those machines where you put a band around yourself and then it shakes. Maybe he's got one of those and it's, it's helping, him, <laughs> yeah. helping him lose some, some LBs. And it, it is also like people don't seem that that is one of the other crazy things is people in the 60s do not seem very weirded out by specifically Luther. Like nobody seems weirded out by this guy who is obviously there's something wrong with him. Right. Because he would he would never take his shirt off in season one. But in yeah. season two, he's in a f- underground fight club in a tank top, so everybody can see his gorilla body. And he's like, "Yeah, whatever, no big deal. I work for Jack Ruby." <laughs> yeah. Still, uh, yeah, but uh, it's yeah, it's such a strange thing of uh, it's such a strange dichotomy of really enjoying watching the so- show. There is a lot of stuff I really miss. I really miss because uh, you know Hazel pops up right at the start and they immediately right. kill him. Yeah. And that, and they have a very, because that's the thing is like, Hazel's arc in season one is one of the better things about that, that season. Yeah, because he, and I mean, they, at first he's he's kind of just like a disgruntled mercenary, and then you know he he ends up falling in love. It's a, it's a nice little story. And they 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 kind of pull the rug completely out from under that almost immediately. Like they don't even show a culmination of what happened there. They show a. Uh, a clip montage and just say, yeah, cancer got her. Yeah. Well, they had 20 good years together. That's what he said. <laughs> yeah. We had 20 so good I, years together. I was a little, I, I was a little bummed out by that. And, uh, you know, again, it's a, it's a, it's a hard dichotomy of really enjoying it, more or less satisfied with it. There's some elements that season one really nailed that I just don't feel like are there. And I'm kind of, I, I, I miss that. Yeah, that's the that's the problem with sequels. 
sometimes if you do it really well the first time, the second time is kind of hard to live up to. So, But uh, speaking of shows in their second season who their first season was weird but have not dialed it back on the weird, <laughs> you are you are still up in that Doom Patrol, right? Yes. I this you, week You're still rolling season one. Yeah, I'm on season one. I watched episodes four and five this week. It's a it's a two part episode and even uh there's a there's a point where Mr. Nobody goes, uh, come on, come with me. We don't want to make this two part or a trilogy. So he kind of breaks the fourth wall a little bit there. Yeah. Even again, earlier again all, early, all two dicks really uh yeah. really putting in the work there's even a point where he goes i wasn't even in the last two episodes <laughs> he i just man alan tudyk is so so good in that show yeah i, I like how he breaks the fourth wall i kind of like the you know the the narrator coming back uh for this where he goes and finds jane and uh kind of he knows about dr harrison which is one of her personalities and kind of uses that to his advantage but it was overall like a yeah. really really fun yeah, story right. arc because to this point it's kind of been like scientific and you know like genetic mani- manipulation and things like that you know crazy science you, experiments uh, but this one goes into I, like an alternate universe and maybe like uh, almost demony type characters and it, it was actually pretty cool what they oh, did yeah, you that. get to see you get to see baphomet don't you uh, which one's baphomet the the horse oh yes yeah the horse with the nail That's, in its forehead the horse with the nail in its forehead that can only answer to to the tune of horse with no name <laughs> that was fun yeah that was that fun was a lot of fun i wonder i wonder if that is a real thing and i'm not, I'm not even gonna look it up to see if it was something that was written in the story i just like what they did with that <laughs> that was a uh, lot of fun yeah, you get a you get a really cool time travel arc. You get to you kind of get a a view on where Mister Nobody and Niles are right now. They're kind of nowhere, really. Which, uh, <laughs> which, but you get that like that that interaction, the interaction of where uh, Niles is spinning around. Uh, Mister Nobody knows what's going on. Mister Nobody bothered by the Doom Patrol might be taken down. Like things might come to an end, but he wasn't the one who did it. So he right. jumps in, and you get a you get a fun kind of. Uh, I don't know if you call that. I don't know. Do you do you call it time travel when it's just basically him jumping to spots where he can manipulate it? I mean, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. If you're going back in time for the story, there's a little bit of time it's travel not really there. An important detail, but yeah, like a, you know, and the whole decreator recreator arc and. It's the eye it's in the sky. Really, <laughs> really fun show, and the uh, uh, is it? It's Ner- Nernheim. Yeah, Nernheim. Nernheim. Sucks. Yeah. <laughs> that stuff really nice and weird. Uh, the the idea of the unwritten book, the rewritten book, and the the funny way they get around that. Um, I can't I, remember the character's name. The guy you said plays uh, the guy who's in. Um, it was what something 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 Kipling. I can't remember his first name. Yeah, Kipling. Last name no. Kipling. It's Mark Shepard. He was in the the Battlestar Galactica reboot. Yeah. He he was he's been in Supernatural. Really good actor. Anything he's ever in, you know, he he brings not, something to the character. I thought it was fun. To that character. I don't. I, I'm not always super fond of the character trope of the the British character because the, the boys does this in Spade of the. The British character that comes in that it, whose sole 
purpose is to be sick of everyone and be, call them the c word a lot, mm-hmm. which I know is is like is not the f word that we think it is in for the British. This guy kind of reminded me of Constantine a little yeah. bit, but he for, uh, until they until they identified him, I was wondering if it was Constantine. It was less like heaven and hell type stuff, but I thought it was fun where he he would had like. Janis Joplin's dental floss. It's the the strongest uh, thread known to, ma- known to man. Or he had all these weird little. Uh, what, the the bubble gum was uh, knowing gum. So you would you'd eat the gum and it would make, give you the answers. The cigarette that he can make doorways with. Yeah. Well, it wasn't tobacco. We learned that. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, uh, cool, creative ways that it, you know just Baphomet in general. Mm-hmm. Really fun. The, the, Doom Patrol, not afraid to lean in on, how about we make it weird? Right. (laughs) There's a character that you're still a few episodes off of meeting that is really weird and really fun. And I guess I just can't tell you about it right now. They brought back the cockroach for this. And I could definitely tell that it was Curtis Armstrong. And part of that is because you told me it was Curtis Armstrong. But I could definitely hear Curtis Armstrong when he's yelling at the crowd. I just feel like... His his cadence and voice is really close to what uh, Alan Tudyk's doing. Oh, there, there's so, a little bit there. You did see the episode where Cliff jumped into uh, the underground, right? Jumped into the underground. I thought you had told you to... me that you saw the the episode where Cliff went into the underground. What's the underground? I don't know what uh, you're talking about. I thought you told me about the the stuff that goes on in Jane's head. Mm, I don't think so. Wow, who was I talking to? It must be someone else. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember seeing that. Huh? Huh? They really haven't. They really haven't gone inside where you get to see, you get to see the actual manifestations of all of her personality. No, I haven't seen that. Wow who who was I talking to then? I do There's not someone know. Else. I can't think. Of, I can't even think of anyone else in my life who <laughs> who has been watching this along with me. Travis, maybe I had a time travel episode. Maybe. Mr. It was Mr. <laughs> Nobody. I thought it was funny oh, whenever they said Mr. Nobody, uh, Niles would start barfing. Blah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Again, like, the show is really good on setting up, uh, setting up silly gags like that. It kind of tells me Mr. Nobody's not really out for revenge. He's just bored, and he wants a challenge. It's it's actually it, it's actually a little bit of both. It, okay. I think it is really a little bit of both, which is which is kind of I think how they how Niles roped him in of you know like him just taking Niles and torturing him is basically revenge, but mm-hmm. it is also largely a thing that keeps him you know keeps him from not being bored with what's going on. Right, because he could just kill him instantly if he wanted. Yeah, he could just snap his fingers and he would cease to exist. But he doesn't do that. He keeps him around because he's bored. He need he needs Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he maybe makes reference. There, it might be that he makes he makes he makes reference to some sort of streaming service at one point. <laughs> great, great uh, show though. I mean, yeah, it's a lot of know, fun. I look forward to being able to talk to you about more of the episodes. And it's a, you know these two things. It's a real fun exercise of trying to remember. Like, hey. Travis is here. Don't talk about the other stuff. Don't 
talk about jumping into the void or whatever it is you said. <laughs> yeah, some of the stuff is so, you know, like like just telling you uh, with with Allison and Umbrella Academy that like yeah they don't really go in they don't really go into her healing process is like uh, the underground the underground is so pervasive as a thing and and like I haven't even really given you that much of a an idea of what it is like it's so pervasive that just telling you it exists is. I don't think it really it's going to hurt you much. So far, I think by far, uh, Jane is the most interesting character because there's so many different uh, sides to her. The rest of them are fine. You know, Larry's kind of like, eh, whatever, give or take. <laughs> and same with, uh, I can't remember the actor lady. She actually finally <laughs> got to use her powers for good and she kind of went Elastigirl. Yeah, which, which was and, nice because she's just kind of been pitiful and just somebody says something mean and her face sags and she storms off and it's like, all right, we get it. Well, the, this is the first episode where they give, they really give her, well, it's not even giving her something to do. It's something, it's more of, um, we're giving her, she for the first time is, is trying to do something. Yeah. When she helps the, I I, the kid, the book, uh, she kind of has a purpose. Up to that point, uh, up to that point, she's really been content with like, I'm just going to stay out of things. I'm just going to have a martini. Yeah, she's just going to have a it's, uh, Rita Fart. That's right, Rita Fart. Rita, yep. I keep wanting to say something else with an R. For <laughs> yeah, all of the I will tell you, all of the characters. I think they do a pretty good job of giving them deep and interesting backstories. I don't think that. I really don't think that any of them get short shrift. I think all of them get a pretty, yeah, I haven't found any of them uninteresting for to myself. And it's a good show. They've got good chemistry. They're all so different that it's not like you see kind of the same personality overlapping or anything like that. Yeah. And I think honestly, if I had to compare the two shows, doom patrols characters are more likable overall than, than the umbrella Academy. For the most part, I think I, I really like I Klaus Doom, and I really like five and the rest of them, depending on the episode, I could like them or just dislike them on the other three. I think maybe that stems from Doom Patrol. I think that they give the actors a lot more space to to kind of create their character, like let the actors, whereas maybe Umbrella Academy, it, it does feel that way because the Klaus guy and the number five guy have really taken over those characters. Whereas maybe a Luther is there to present. I don't, I don't know that he's the Cyclops. Think, yeah. He's the Cyclops. He's the, he has to be, he's the Cyclops. He's the Superman. He's the character that has to be the dad versus Diego's Batman Wolverine of like, right. I'm going to go, I'm going to go cut this person. And I don't care about the rules except for my rules. And five is beast. Like actually, they do, they do very much get into Diego because, uh, you know, the in the therapy thing, the thing that they're trying to work on Diego is his his hero complex, right? And they do they do keep exploring that. But I mean, part of it is they don't actually understand that he does have heroes. Like he has special abilities, which they don't. They just think he's crazy, but he, he legit does have like special abilities. So that's part of it. I said the uh, five would be beast. No, five would be Nightcrawler. I just have to correct myself on that. <laughs> yeah. 
It's more of an attitude wise thing. Right. But overall, both good shows, both beast. watchable. He's the beast I'm in Flash Professor X. Right. No, po- Pogo is beast. Pogo is beast. There you go. Pogo is beast. Umbra- I mean, I don't think I even I even think Gerard Way would probably tell you. Yeah, Umbrella Academy is definitely. But same thing with Doom Patrol. But it, it, those are weirdly comparable franchises that are both, or dependent on what you look at from Doom Patrol, like X Men's biting Doom Patrol style. But I guess Vanya would as, be Jean Grey slash uh, Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about Allison. We'll have to figure it out uh, Rogue. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, she doesn't really take people's powers, but she manipulates people into doing things. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I don't know so much about the analog for that. But they're but, both uh, really fun. They're both fun to watch. So a lot of fun I'm stuff to watch. Them. You know, uh, they've released the two seasons of Harley Quinn on HBO Max. And I've all, ah. I haven't even gotten to where I had previously gotten on that. But God, that that show that show is a lot of fun. That show is mm-hmm. one of the most deft. Uh, that type of like adult animation shows. It is. <laughs> they go balls to the wall. <laughs> it's they go balls to the wall. They maybe they maybe tip a little over on the trying too hard scale, but they're pretty good at um, having good contextual reasons for like vulgarity and violence and. Right. I mean, she's an insane know. person. They're probably not going to mind their p's and q's very much. Yeah. <laughs> That's but good also, enough I, reason right there. I guess it's just the writing. Like the writing wise, they're very good at being funny. Uh, the 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 adult things they do don't feel like they're doing something more like for a shock laugh. They they're setting up like legit funny jokes. Like, the one that I keep going back to is the the scene for the little bit that I've watched of it. Mm-hmm. The the scene at uh, Penguin's uh, son's bar mitzvah. Oh, I haven't gotten the that part far. Where they. Oh, you haven't got that's like the I, second. I, I think I've only seen episode. the first episode. Oh, really? Well, but I won't spoil it for you. There's a part where uh, Harley Quinn interrogates uh, the Penguin's son about a very, <laughs> a very adult thing that uh, mm. that is. It's very uncomfortable, but also very funny. Huh. All right. So you got that to look for. I'm gonna watch a bunch more of that. I think we're we're just about at an hour. There's a couple things I think we should touch on before we before we sneak out of here. Uh, number one, okay. brand new announced today. They are not only working on John Wick four, but they have announced John Wick five. My son yeah, Cameron hit too. me up with this news. They're gonna film them back to back. So that means the so you you've seen John Wick three. Parabellum, right? Yes, I have seen John Wick 3. That's the one with Halle is, Berry, right? Yes. Okay, yes, I saw that one. Um, depending on what you believe, uh, I've gotten the impression slash thought I heard that that uh, they were very much planning on John Wick 3 being the end of the trilogy and kind of overall the end of the series, but they they sort of tacked on the, the after credits stuff. Mm-hmm. And made it very apparent there because because that 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 franchise is one of the most successful things. Just in, I mean, you know, successful like Fast and Furious is probably the most successful thing. But like, right? John Wick is something I don't think that they ever planned to have more than one of that just took off so hard. Well, that's kind of the same thing with the Fast and the Furious. They they never thought that it was going to turn into you know ten movies. Oh yeah, it was. What was it? The fifth. (laughs) The first one with the rock, that's the fifth one, right? 
Yes, I think that was the fifth one. Yeah, that was the turning point for that franchise of like, this is just a cartoon now. Right. But that's also and where it, it got really fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It got it got ultra fun, but it was also definitely the place where like, this is a superhero fran- This This is a superhero franchise. Right. Like, we're not worried. It's not like a one. It's not a one shot kind of franchise like a like some some of the 80s stuff like you know like like rambo rambo wasn't you know between two and and like five it wasn't really a a continuity story per se it was just a an episode of type of movie thing and now fast and furious is very much a like we have a weird sort of continuity to our universe we have offshoots and john wick the the first john wick is not meant to have the overall bold universe and continuity that they're kind of having now. But now like each one's so successful that they can't stop making them now. So I just remember that they filmed the matrix two and three back to back. So it kind of makes me like, (laughs) I, and that's the thing is I feel like, I feel like there is a story arc and they have to bring it to a close eventually. Like that doesn't right. mean they won't have more John Wicks, but like, uh, you know, two and three was definitely a. Uh, we figured out a way. We figured out a way to prove that the first movie set uh, set some things in motion, and, and we shoehorned a little bit of backstory into the second movie to show to make more of a, an arc out of this. Mm-hmm that I feel like they kind of closed with three, but then also didn't. (laughs) They're like, there's still money to be made. So I felt, well, but I felt like I'm like, okay, him being betrayed at the end, they need to wrap this up in four and then figure out a way to figure out a way to let John wick exist without constantly being chased by this whole, you know, this whole organization. Right. He can't, the the story I can't keep being he just gets in deeper and deeper with this organization who sends more and more of their you know themed assassins to take him out they can't they just can't keep doing that over and over and over again right. so hearing that four and five are being filmed back to back is like okay that sounds like four and five is a two-parter when you're already trying to close out a story with the fourth one it does you're right it does it does stink a little bit of matrix two and three what i kind of wonder is uh maybe they realized we could get two movies out of this and keanu reeves might have been like all right you guys i'm in my 50s (laughs) i can't do this forever let's film them back to back (laughs) he is he is i mean he's in his he's in his 50s when he shaves off his beard when he's grown a beard he's in his 30s how is that that he looks older without a beard Usually it's the other. If I shave my beard, I I gotta have a baby face. Well, it's the hair too. Like if he went yeah. back to, if he went back to having like short like uh, original Matrix hair, it it might. I don't know. I don't know what it would do to him to have shorter hair. <laughs> we haven't seen short hair Keanu in a while. Maybe we don't want to know. But anyway, it's it should be. I four is definitely going to end in a cliffhanger. I, I kind of feel like maybe they had more movie than they thought going in and they're like, mm, let's just bump this into a fifth movie. And how, like how, what more could they have? They, I don't know. It's weird. Cause like the story that's left to be told is him versus, uh, 
him versus Ian McShane. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you make two movies out of that necessarily. They've already packed his backstory pretty full of, you know, of backstory. Maybe I know not. what they do. Know. They bring what? in Dom Toretto. <laughs> <laughs> Crossover. Oh, man. That's what they do. That, that the, is just a movie full of Dom Toretto wanting to be the alpha and John Wick being like, I, I guess, dude, I'm highly capable and I don't give a shit if you, I don't care about being the alpha. Just stop. <laughs> It'd be the fast and the furious. I don't know. <laughs> just moments of like Dom Toretto trying to say, like, you don't mess with Dom Toretto. And he gets, he gets a little bit toward Dom Toretto and it's just a knife comes out of nowhere and kills the guy. And John's like, John's like, like, we don't need to, we don't need to keep talking. Let's just kill these people. It's Vin going family and Keanu going, Whoa, my dog over and over for three hours. Crossover. Like we, we need to, we need, we need to put the cars on the space shuttle and then we're going (laughs) to orbital drop them onto our enemy and John Wick's like I'm just coming through the sewer and all I have is a bowie knife and a single pistol (laughs) we've got this could be good alright the other thing I think we should close out with is Mulan not going to be coming to theaters after all who to thunk Uh, apparently Disney was the last person to figure out that it wasn't a good idea and they're going to release it for streaming you can buy it if you have a Disney Plus subscription for what I shouldn't say buy it. You can rent it for $30. Not priced to move. Yeah, to me, it just doesn't seem like... It wasn't a movie I was super excited about seeing anyway. And I remember watching the trailers going, I mean, it looks really pretty. And it's maybe it's a good movie. But no little kid is going to want to see that. It's a war movie. It's a PG war movie, basically. Who's going to want to see that? Okay. Uh, There's no Mushu. Would you like? Because uh, when did it say? When did it, it's September that they're going to do that, right? Oh, I don't okay. even. I don't even know what the date is anymore. They've moved yeah, it, it so many starting, times. Starting September fourth. Okay. All right, Travis. Are you ready for conspiracy theory? Let's hear it. I think Disney was hoping they would get an Oscar nomination because they're being so dead serious about this particular remake. Uh, they are finally yeah. releasing it on Disney Plus because it's such a weird year. Because what could, what could win an Oscar right now? At this point, what actually could win an Oscar? Nothing, because they've already announced that they're not going to hold the Oscars this year. Uh, but are they? What if they do online Oscars? Well, I mean, I think they've already said they're for sure not going to do it because there haven't been any movies released. So they're just going to bump Disney them and combine... Released. It'll combine everything from this year to next year. What if Disney released their Oscar contender online and opened the floodgates? Because it it, like, like Christopher Nolan won't release Tenet if it isn't released in theaters. Most of the, because uh, theaters got, so I guess that's another thing. Are theaters going to get pissy about Disney doing this? Maybe. It's easy to get, it's easy to get mad at, at, you know, the producers of, the invisible man it's easy to get shitty <laughs> or trolls about, or trolls it's easy to get shitty about some of those are you going to take on disney theater chains i think this movie was going to be a box office disappointment anyway 
So I think, you think so. Yeah, I just don't. I I don't see how it was going to make any money, unless it was the Disney's most amazing movie action, that they've ever made. Has Disney has any of their live action remakes been flops so far? I'm trying to think. Uh, I don't know how much the Maleficent's made. I think they did pretty I, good though. Those aren't really that. That's that's something different, though. Yeah, it is slightly. I mean, different. They, they made a second one, so. But uh, but even so, those aren't really. <sighs> Maleficent isn't really a retelling of Sleeping Beauty. I don't know Whereas, how much they you know, made like, with like Cinderella. I don't know how well that. I mean, I enjoyed it. I liked Cinderella. I thought it was cute, but I don't think it like broke any records or anything. I guess um, Dumbo was kind of a flop, the, wasn't it? What was Dumbo? Yeah, I guess you're right. I, think I still Dumbo haven't even seen that, and it's streaming. You are you bringing can... up God. Disney has Disney's filthy. <laughs> you're you're bringing these up, and like, holy crap! I forgot how many of these they have done. I think Jungle Book might have been the one that actually like made some money. That was a the live action remake. Oh, Lion King did. From what I oh yeah, Lion, Lion King, King did. Game Lion Busters. King did make a lot of money. You're right. It was it was just kind of more bland than than the cartoon, but it it looked yeah. good. I remember when I watched it, I was like, it looks good, but it's the same I movie. Think the Beauty and the Beast <laughs> one did pretty good too. Yeah, that one. Regardless, God, I I forgot they they've done a lot of those. And yeah. they did. Uh, I think Aladdin did really well too. Yeah, that one did pretty good. I actually liked they Aladdin so more than Beauty stuff. and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast was just so like green screen heavy that you didn't feel like you were in it. It was almost like watching uh, the Alice in Wonderland ones. That's what I didn't like about those two. Uh, is uh, I didn't like how green uh, screeny uh, it was. Uh, Travis, I, I, Travis, I'm shaking. I, uh, <laughs> don't 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 evoke that. Don't don't evoke the two greatest Johnny Depp travesties. <laughs> Oh, there's got to be worse three, Johnny Depp movies than those. No, there, there are two. There are two great Johnny Depp travesties, being the Alice in Wonderland movies, and uh, I, I can't see Travis. I can't say it out loud. Mordecai. No, not Mordecai. Mordecai. Mordecai <laughs> is so outside of like the world's vision. Mordecai <laughs> brought about one of the greatest jokes. I just saw. I can't even remember who posted. Someone on Twitter before Mordecai came out. Just someone posted. Yeah, but. What if Mordecai was good? And for some reason, just that assertion made me laugh. It wasn't terrible. There was some funny stuff the, in it. The assumption that just the assumption that something with Johnny Depp, you know, having a mustache and doing a weird accent, we all assume it's going to be a train wreck. It was in that period of history where uh, every studio wanted to make a movie about a quirky uh, spy or detective, and that, that's kind of that was Johnny Depp's effort. <laughs> Well, I mean, knives out, knives out. Close the door on doing that poorly because we got a, a great quirky PI in that. Yeah, but knives out, technique. knives out was different. It wasn't a straight up just kind of dumb comedy. It was more like, it was actually more like a stage play. Yeah, you're not wrong. Well, I mean, uh, Ryan Johnson went. I mean, Ryan Johnson went in and made Knives Out solely based on his love of of those sort of murder mysteries. Mm-hmm. Like he was doing an homage and, and did it well. They're making a sequel. But Travis, we're getting far away from I need you Travis, I'm gonna give you one more chance. All there right. are two there are two great travesties in the Johnny Depp. I'm going to I'm going to make choices and make all the worst choices. One of them is the Mad Hatter. The other one is close to it. Uh, 
Are you going to say like the late Jack Sparrow movies? No, no. Hey, look, man, Jack Sparrow was an inspired thing. They just didn't stop making them. Okay. Problem. I think I know where you're going. And I want to say I liked the Lone Ranger. (laughs) The Lone Ranger is just an ill. I've never seen the Lone Ranger. Oh, okay. That's not where you're going. Having Johnny Depp play a Native American, probably just a, just not a great. Not a, just not a great look. I mean, they said at the time he is part Native American. So, I mean, I, I don't know how many 16ths he is, but yeah. he, he does have Native blood in him, and that was their justification at the time. You've maybe, you've maybe repressed this memory so much, and, and I don't blame you because having to say it out loud is going to gonna hurt me. Uh, I'm just trying to I, run, I my, say, run my brain. I can't for, say it out loud. I'm... I can say the happy thing out loud, and but I like just G- Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder. Oh, duh. Oh, uh, yeah. Willy Wonka. Yeah, yeah, that was right. Yeah, that was oh, that was God. really bad. I think that was even worse than the Mad Hatter. Yeah, I mean, argue the Mad Hatter just wasn't as beloved. I think there wasn't. I mean, the the Disney one's great and all, but it's not something you look back and don't think like, well, somebody. Some actor could harness this and, but oh god, that <laughs> like all, all I ever think about is that Mad Hatter break dancing thing, and I'm just like, oh yeah, god, why? Ugh. I mean, kids thought it was funny. That's who that's who was supposed to think it was funny, but yeah, any yeah, adult like, that saw that just rolled their eyes like, oh. I, I guess I, I've had to. I at least recognize that there's sort of a new generation who sees the prequels as something great because mm-hmm. they were kids, but. I I don't know that I'll ever understand the concept of anybody who not even says that, like, saying that Johnny Depp's uh, Willy Wonka is better than Gene Wilder's would, is just, I, it's so ridiculous that I, I can't <laughs> even accept that someone would say that. But just saying that they like Johnny Depp's performance as Willy Wonka, I can't get in that headspace. I can't. Yeah, I, can't I mean, that's how anyone would say that. That's a Rorschach test for a person right there. <laughs> it, it's just such a weird take because the, the, the portrayal of Willy Wonka that he has is so patently unlikable. He's borderline. Like it's, it, it feels like he's trying to harness big Michael Jackson energy, which is just not something you harness. <laughs> yeah. That's not a good, a movie a good about, character choice. <laughs> a, a movie about a guy and kids. You just don't mm-hmm. harness big, Big Jackson energy. I'm trying to give them candy. Oh, damn. So anyway. going back to that's what we're talking about. Okay, Milan, their pricing structure for this bad. It's too high. Real bad. The rent's too damn high. Thirty dollars. Okay, it, it's it's broken up into equally bad parts. Of you need to have a Disney Plus subscription just to make this purchase. Yeah, that's that's a bit like I don't like that. <clears throat> $30 is too much to pay for a single movie even though it's it's a release thing. I think if, if it, it was, was a, if it was a different movie, I might do it. If it was Wonder Woman 1984, I'd probably say, "Okay, I'll pay 30 bucks for to to see it." You know what I mean? Or if it was pay, an Avengers movie. Would you pay 30? Would you pay 30 bucks for a rental on it or is it 30 bucks to own? Um when you take when you think about how much it would actually cost to go to the movie theater to see it, you know, get popcorn, get sodas. Thirty bucks isn't that terrible if if it's a movie that you're pretty sure you're gonna like. But who knows about this movie? This movie's been bumped all. It was supposed to come out in March, right? Originally, but 
So the who knows theater, if it's going to be any good or not? Going to the theater, you're paying like the money. You're, I mean, the money you're paying is going into. I'm going to sit in a state of the art facility with a giant screen and, you know, state of the art sound to be bombarded by it. Like thirty bucks to watch on my TV at home, regardless of, you know, regardless of if you have a pretty good system. Thirty bucks. The only person I can think of that thirty bucks makes sense for is a you know a good friend of mine who has a theater built in his house that can seat like multiple people. Mm-hmm. It, depen- like said, it depends on the movie. It really does. Thirty bucks to watch on my TV, which is a a nice TV in my basement, like that. That's too much to pay. That's I'm not getting the theater experience for thirty bucks. Right. Even if it was something like, like you said, like Wonder Woman 1984. My setup isn't good. Like, Wonder Woman 1984 is the kind of movie you want the theater experience. You want it to be loud. You want it to bombard. You want you want the giant screen. If if um, if Wonder Woman 1984, ten dollars doesn't seem like that big of a difference, but there, ten dollars is a gulf between twenty dollars to rent something versus thirty dollars to rent something. It, that ten dollars really seems to make a big difference in my mind. Yeah, there is twenty dollars does seem more reasonable for some, and also if if it gave you some sort of code, so when it actually was out for like, you know, just regular like when it would normally come out on Blu-ray, if you typed in that code and you now had a vi- a digital copy of it, that's a little bit different too because normally you would pay up to like twenty twenty five dollars for a digital copy of it. So if it included that, that would be. That would be good, too. I just remember a friend I had, and this was in junior high, and he rented uh, The Silence of the Lambs, and he never took it back. And then when he finally uh, took it back, he owed like $400 on it. So that's a pretty expensive rental. So in comparison to that, $30 seems pretty good. <laughs> but that's the, And that's the other side of it is, okay, Travis, you would pay $30 to see Wonder Woman 1984. Would you pay those $30 that was predicated upon you have to have like an HBO max subscription to watch it. Um, maybe, I mean the Disney plus is what? Like six ninety nine. I, first of all, I can't get HBO max or the Peacock network because neither of them are on Roku, which drives me crazy. Streaming services are out of control. Travis. Yeah, they are. Uh, it used to be we wanted streaming services because we wanted to get away from cable because cable was manipulating everybody and making you pay for things you didn't want and streaming services were the answer and now they're doing the exact same damn thing so it's it's frustrating no no nobody wanted this nobody wanted this what we wanted what we wanted travis were maybe three or four services right but now everybody's got to have their own properties the idea of like Peacock is what? What it's one of the TV networks, right? It's NBC, the, and they have a free yeah. version and they have a pay version. But I can't get either version on Roku's so or Fire Stick, and I have Fire Stick too, and like, neither one of them carries Peacock or HBO Max. Yeah, it's it's all it's all out of control. But the, talking about the Milan thing, it's out of control. Regis Philbin, R.I.P. It's out of control. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was that's the funny thing is when I heard about Regis passing, like that's all I could think of was Dana Carvey's <laughs> out of control. Is that my not control? They actually would kept playing every time I would see a little uh 
uh, memoriam for him. They would play Dana Carvey on Regis and Kathy Lee, and they would do it together. I'm out of control. Also, R.I.P. Uh, Wilford Brimley. <laughs> Regis and Wilford, both in the same week. Oh. Watch out for Betty White. If Wilford goes yeah. like that, she hopefully she retained the Highlander energy from that. But, so somebody was saying Wilford Brimley was 53 in Cocoon. <laughs> yeah, that that is that is one of those things that messes messes you up. Is Cocoon a movie just about being super over the hill? And the the, the joke was like um, like Tom Cruise is so much older than Wilford Brimley. Oh was yeah, yeah. In the movie about being an elderly man. I think Brad Pitt is around 53. Yeah. I mean, JLo is like 51. Is <laughs> Gwen Stefani is like 51. Different now. Yeah. But also, look, maybe we want to take into account Quaker Wilford Oaks. Brimley. <laughs> Wilford Brimley was always a Wilford Brimley shaped man. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, yes. Like like you think you look at like Keanu Reeves, you look at Tom Cruise, but those of all, those are also people who have been Brad Pitt, Keanu Reeves, and Tom Cruise shaped people. Like if Wilfred Brimley had got his shit together when he was in his twenties, you know, maybe maybe he wouldn't look that Wilfred Brimley at fifty three. He maybe he wouldn't have had a career though either. <laughs> oh, true. Uh, I mean, hey, look, that's another that's another conversation and a problem. Like, I cannot tell you the amount of times, and I, I subscribe to this, the amount of times I've seen someone talking about like. The 70s and 80s were a prime era for, for movies because you could have great actors who looked, who were ugly. Here's Basically, something that will really blow your mind, Jake. So The Natural came out in what, like 82? And I think Cocoon was like 87. So Wilford Brimley was in his late 40s in The Natural and he still looked like Wilford Brimley did right before he died. He was, he was in his late what? 40s, I think. Because that was very early 80s, The Natural, because he played uh, the manager of the baseball team. And he looked like Wilford Brimley, like Quaker Oats, Wilford Brimley. <laughs> but you get, like, you get, in the 60s and 70s, I, I've gone on record my love for Walter Matthau. You can get a movie like Hopscotch where Walter Matthau is a Walter Matthau in his, I think he might even have been in his 50s. Or uh, what was that other, the, was it Sunflower? I can't remember the other one with Goldie Hawn. You can have a guy like Walter Matthau be a romantic, roguish lead. <laughs> Even in his young days, he still looked like Walter Matthau. Yeah, it, it was a different time. You can't time. have that. The, the, the versions you get of that now are like a Paul Blart. Mm -hmm. But the whole conceit is he's still, he's, he's he's still gross. a dumbass. He's still a gross dumbass, but right. a good-looking woman falls in love with him because he's right. nice and means well. Remember when talent used to count for something in Hollywood? <laughs> I mean, it's still... Hey, look. Brad Pitt looks like 24 karat gold. Also extremely talented. Yeah, he is He is talented. But there, you got to admit, there's some people out there in movies and you're like, yeah, you're there because you're perfect. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> Oh yeah, I like um, uh, I, I love Steve Buscemi a lot, and and honestly, when given the right roles and and uh, dressed up in the right way, I think Steve Buscemi could be sexy as hell. He's just better utilized as the funny looking guy. So, did you ever finish watching uh, the the Old Guard? I still haven't. No. Okay. No, did I'm you ever see not. the bad guy in it? 
it's like he's like the computer whiz science guy. I don't remember if I did see that character or not. You need to go watch it until you see that character and then know that that is uh, Dudley Dursley from the Harry Potter movies. Oh, uh, hold on. What movie was I watching with him in it? I was watching something with him in it recently. It wasn't the old guard? It wasn't, it wasn't the old guard. I'm going to look that I'm going to look that guy up cuz he's super skinny, him. his head is ginormous, but his body is super skinny. He almost looks like uh Syndrome from the original uh uh <laughs> what's the Incredibles movie? He kind of looks like yeah. that. It's very weird cuz Dudley Dursley was like, you know, this big kind of husky, almost like me, big husky guy. And now he's That's super crazy. thin, but his head is huge and it's shaped like a slice of pie. It's weird. Why did I look up the old guard? <laughs> I should look up Harry Potter first. Now that that kid that was uh, Dudley Dursley, um, he's he's turned out to be a pretty great pretty great actor. He's been in a few things. He was in the he was in one of the little vignettes in uh, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Oh, really? Uh, did Did you ever watch all of that? No, I never did get yeah, around to watching Harry that. Melling. Yeah, I mean he's. He's a good. He's a really good character actor. What was he in recently that I watched? I don't know. Wouldn't it be no, funny if he turns would. out to be like the biggest star to come out of those movies twenty years from now? <laughs> I I don't think you're. Yeah, I don't think you're going to beat uh, what's his name. Uh, no, I think it's uh, Emma Watson. I think probably she's probably she's Emma Watson. she's had more success than. Daniel Radcliffe not to knock him he he's pretty good in the things I've seen him in but some of the stuff he's been doing lately it's kind of like ooh, these are kind of B movies <laughs> well I think Daniel well that 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 Guns Akimbo movie was a weird choice for him but I've seen oh, him it's so fun though that was a fun movie did you watch it I haven't no it's on uh Amazon Prime if if you have Amazon I told you, Prime. I want, um Swiss Army Man is a really really weird really fascinating movie that i think was a really interesting choice for him to do yeah i haven't seen i guess i just i respect i I respect daniel radcliffe in that (laughs) i think he's done pretty all right as a as a child actor who was in one of the biggest things in the universe he's done pretty all right (laughs) right getting past that maybe he needs to do a star wars or a marvel or something no no that but I think that's the thing is like he already he already did that he already did the thing where he was the biggest thing in the universe. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I, I think that's a great path, and I I I wonder if that's what you're going to see from most of the people who are in that recent Star Wars is we did the we did the biggest thing in the universe. Now we we I ho- I hope those people worked out deals where they get paid well based on that they're in the biggest thing in the universe, and like we can just we can just kind of do whatever we want now. I mean, some of them, even if they just had minor roles, uh, they can, like Greg Grunberg, for example, he can probably support himself for the rest of his life just going to conventions. He's been in, he was in Star Trek, he was in Star Wars, he was in Alias, he was in Lost, he's been in all these different things. Oh, you're talking about that, that kind of paunchy dude? Yeah. Yeah, okay. He was in Heroes. I mean, he's been in so many things. He can just go well, from convention to convention. He's made a career out of being friends with J.J. Abrams. <laughs> yeah, that's true. 100%. So technically, technically speaking, <laughs> he hit that, when you talk about he hit that thing where you can do whatever you want, he did that forever ago by 
being friends with J.J. Abrams. And he's not bad. I mean, he he does a good job. No, in he's these, fine. Yeah, he, he does a good job. He's fine, but that that is kind of what I'm talking about. It's like so we talked about earlier, Crispin Glover definitely has talked about he de- he he kind of hit gold by being in Back to the Future because he's always been a weirdo. Yeah, but he hated but the he fact re- that he was in it. He hit no, gold, he but he didn't. He never appreciated it. That's why he never no, did number no, no, two. No, no. Crispin Glover didn't. Crispin Glover didn't hate the fact that he was in it. He just didn't want to. Like he, but he was also kind of right. He was also kind of right in that, like he he seemed to feel like I just don't think that this is something that we need more of. He was wrong. No, he wasn't wrong. Two and three aren't two and three aren't great movies. Two and three, when you think about what a great movie ba- the original Back to the Future is, two is not a good movie. Three is maybe watchable, but it's also not a great movie. I mean, they're both good. They're not great. They're two not, is a, one is the best, but oh, one maybe is, they would have been a class? little better if he would have been a part of it too. Because ah. it was kind of working around him, especially in two. Ah. I would say at most two and three are bad movies. Mm-hmm. Two and three are, are really bad movies that are made salvageable by amazing actors that are in them. So you may be right with that. What, where Crispin Glover really comes to hate the back of the future movies is they went forward and used his, used him. He would, he didn't want to be in them and they used him anyway. Yeah. It made it weird for sure. When you could only see like the back of his head, even though it wasn't well, him, they used, but they used dialogue of his to, to work that that's i mean you know that crispin glover won a lot of money off of that because not only did they use his likeness but they used old dialogue of his for the character mm. to still be george mcfly right well they but, used to but, i mean they used stuff that that was actually filmed too because they did all the flashback stuff yeah and and that stuff was all against crispin glover's wishes but right. but the point being like he did he said he did charlie's angels he does. He he comes out of the darkness to do kind of a more, uh, you know, mainstream movie just to fund all the weird shit he likes to do. This turned out to be a low key Crispin Glover based episode. Yeah. Hey, man. <laughs> I can't be mad at that. I can't be mad at that. Like, uh, I listened to I listened to American Gods recently, and I know Crispin Glover's in that. And now I desperately want to see that. Oh, I didn't know he was in it. That's Showtime, yeah. right? I think so. Yeah, it means I'll never see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same, 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 same. Unless I should look it up. Unless uh, Netflix has uh, disc sets of it, I'm just probably never going to get to it. Maybe I think uh, uh, some of those com- the streaming companies are being weird about not selling them or not allowing Netflix to do uh, the discs. Like uh, Star Trek Discovery, you couldn't get those on Netflix because it was streaming on. Uh, yeah cbs all access so i think we're i think we're caught in a little bit of a weird place where a it's that that streaming services want to try to keep their stuff exclusive and letting netflix have disc sets would hurt that but we're also at a point where i think we're also at a point where like dvds like blu-rays physical media is kind of uh, not in fact like dvds specifically is not really in fashion so yeah it depends like my son is 20 and he has a huge dvd collection he buys dvds every uh sorry blu-rays actually let me rephrase it he's up to 4ks he buys discs every week and he's he's obsessed with buying because he wants the catalog he wants the the shelves with all the movies on it because he's super into movies 
that's a that's a young man's game. I grew out of that stuff, and especially right. now I've been through, you know, having been through video cassettes, DVDs, Blu-rays. I don't want I don't want to own a thing anymore that, within the span of five or six years, is going to go away. And <laughs> right. I'm just, I'm just like like, you know, it. Especially if you're a collector, you just you end up with you end up with buckets and buckets of this thing that you can't bring yourself to throw away, but you also don't know what the hell to do with. Like books. <laughs> books are books are so eternal. Like yeah. there's never going to be an up there's never really going to be an upgraded version of books per se. I hope that someday you just like put something up to your forehead and you've read it. That would be nice. I mean, like Audible is that Audible is that, but I reading reading is so much different than listening and they're both great they're both great but there's a tactile thing about reading that you don't get from listening that it's definitely more work right but it's it's rewarding in a different way it's almost more permanent yeah it's like i've noticed if i if i write out a joke i remember it much quicker than if i just you know try to memorize it or just try to work it out on stage yeah there you go and and there's just not going to really be a 4K book, you know. There's not going to be. Right. But it's not like you buy a copy of The Old Man in the Sea and ten years later there's you know, the DVD version of what a book is or you know a 4K version of what a book is. So hmm. it's kind of it's it's similar to what I think about vinyl. There's something about records that can't be replicated, where you know cassettes and CDs were not great versions of that mm-hmm. and now digital once you hit digital it's just like you can you can improve the quality of digital but it's always going to be the digital the problem with digital is for the artists it's much more hard to control and to actually make money off of it did you see that story like last week about the guy who runs um spotify saying something about uh like music artists can't get by on making uh, music every two years no i didn't see it but it makes sense because they they just get such a small portion like i i've been looking at uh monetizing some of my stand-up there's there's processes you can go through and it would end up on spotify it would end up on pandora stuff like that and uh when it's actually a song the song writer whoever wrote the song gets the bulk of of the money and then the band divides it up and they kind of have their own little uh they can either do it equally or usually though the lead singer ends up getting more and then everybody else just kind of gets like pennies here and there for every download it's it's yeah there's not much there i'm looking at the story and it's basically what i thought it says Mm -hmm. spotify ceo says artists can't make music every three to four years quote and think that's enough uh i'm looking at this guy and he is what you would think a tech a guy who made his money in tech, he just looks like a thumb, like a thumb that doesn't take very good care of himself, mm. but is also rich. Yeah, so he knows everything. I adore, I adore Spotify because it, it allows me to absorb and find new music in a way that that uh, I haven't been previously. I absolutely want artists to be paid better for it. I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place because I can't enjoy music by having to buy every album. I just can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, this thing he says about artists not being able to get by making music every like him him asserting that 
artists have to just constantly be making music. I, this guy can, this guy could take a short walk off a long pier or the other. Wait, strike that, reverse it. <laughs> he could take a long walk off a short pier. I, because I actually run into this problem listening to Spotify. Is uh, it has a little section for a new release radar, and there are a couple of there are a couple of artists who you know kind of all due respect to them, but they're playing almost a YouTube model of, I get shown this artist has new music, this artist has new music. And the way they're doing new music is they put out a new song every couple of weeks because that's how they show up on new, on new music radar. And I, I don't want to disrespect what they're doing. They're doing their own thing. But this guy's saying like, like, of course I adore run the jewels. I adore, I adore lots of bands. And those are bands that absolutely they put out high quality music. And the way they do that is, they don't they're not trying to get Spotify downloads. They're trying to put out quality music. So, you know, screw this guy. The good news is the artists can go out and make all their money doing live events and concerts. Yeah. Oh wait, they can't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right, it's we need weird. to wrap this up. Weird year. All right. All right. So all the same you know, our usual things, please subscribe to our podcast. Please give us them five star reviews. Give us those one or excuse me five star ratings. Please give us those one sentence reviews, you know, on Apple Podcast if possible because that's generally what people use to listen to things. And now we're on Spotify. Want to get up so. higher in the ratings? Please tell your friends we are on Spotify now. Yeah, Travis, we're not going to get by making podcasts every two to three years now. Well, we're going to have to speed it up. You then. need to know that. <laughs> well, check us out on. I I my I'm going to maybe look that up tonight just because it's novel. But, uh, they emailed me and told me it was approved. That's all I know. <laughs> well, congratulations. Be looking, be looking for it there. Check us out on Spotify. Uh, tell your friends. Uh, if you'd like to shoot us an email, later to the tater at gmail.com is the address you can get a hold of us. Um, Blue Wave Mute, or excuse me, Blue Wave Theory is the music we use for our podcast, and we appreciate the usage. Travis, where can people find you, and what are you doing in the upcoming? Uh, upcoming, I've got, I'm headlining. Uh, Ogden, Utah, the Wise Guys location, August 28th and 29th. That's 7 p.m. shows. Tickets are $12. Limited capacity, so buy them online. Go to wiseguyscomedy.com. Uh, pretty much every weekend I'm doing I'm doing shows somewhere. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty lucky that I've been able to get so much stage time with all this stuff going on because so many friends of mine are just sitting at home not able to do anything. So, you know, I, I definitely am counting my blessings there. Uh, you can follow me at Travis Tate Funny on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. All right. Well, for uh, unless there's anything else you got left, Travis, I'm going to say for uh, artists out there who absolutely can get away with making uh, music every two to three years, this has been Late to the Party with Travis Tate. I'm Jake. And I'm Travis Tate, and better Tate than never. <laughs>